I want to be your real estate resource. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Your Real Estate Resource, a show dedicated entirely to the subject of real estate. I'm your host, Steve Ravithis, and we are lucky enough to have with us today Mark Haynes from Abide, Inc. Mark has over 25 years of experience in the environmental arena with both consulting and contracting services, specializing in regulated building materials and remediation of contaminated properties. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how Abide got started? Sure. Abide was uh, started with uh, Frank and Maria Tilly. Uh, Frank had been uh, doing uh, consulting, testing of regulated building materials, hygiene work, and uh, decided that uh, there was a need on the contracting side. So he had, um, you know, his education had supported what he'd been doing. He had his master's in public health, and um, he made the jump to contracting. Um, and um, him and his wife have been in business for, for some time. I think it originated in 91 and um, are based here in East Long Meadow, but uh, also have offices now in uh, Windsor, Connecticut as okay. well. And, and what is your role with Abide? So I'm an environmental specialist. Um, so I do a lot of different things there. I help out with uh, specialized projects um, on some of the business development side, some of the compliance side, health and safety business management, different things like that. Okay. So, you know, for the purposes of this show, what are some of the environmental issues that are facing homeowners today? So a lot of things that I think we'll address today are based on what Abide does for services. And the key items are asbestos-containing materials. We'll also talk about vermiculite, attic insulation, which is also kind of falls under that category, Um, lead paint, and mold, mold and mildew. Okay. Why don't we just start with asbestos? What you know? What are the risks? Where are we seeing it? Why should people be concerned? And, and sure, remediation. So a lot of people have heard the term asbestos. They sure. have an idea of what it might be. They say, "Yep, that's the boiler in the basement, the jacket. It's the pipe insulation. It's the old floor tiles, the nine by nine size floor tiles." Um, but asbestos was actually put into over thirty six hundred different types of building materials. And the reason it was put in is because it had great properties, great tinsel strength, uh, insulating properties, acoustical properties, didn't retain moisture, and um, kind of created a a very durable building product. Uh, Asbestos, going back before that, is a mineral mined out of the ground and processed into um, small fibers that are added to building materials, uh, sometimes even coatings and caulkings and things like that, and mastics and adhesives. Um, so it's been used for, for you know, many, many years um, and was really sought after because of its properties. So that's kind of you know, where it had started. Uh, asbestos, the term as a fiber, is made up of many, many different asbestos forms. Uh, Crisolite, crucitile, amosite are the most common ones, and then there's tremolite, and uh, there's even asbestos for called Cummingtonite out of, uh, that was found originally in Cummington, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But um, not currently being mined in the U.S. Uh, and very little in Canada still. Um, Ten years ago, we still had Canadian mines and producing products that were sold in other countries and so forth. But occasionally, it would come into the U.S. and, and you know. 10 years ago, I could tell people that I could go to Home Depot and I could find five or 10 products that had asbestos in it. Um, but most of those products were tars, 
and what we call non-friable materials that didn't really have uh, a major concern for indoor air quality and less disturbed, you know, in an improper way. So we talked about some of the issues or some of the places that we commonly hear about it in a home. Um, so what are you guys doing when it comes to, to testing? Because, you know, a, a, as a realtor, you go through the house and you see, up oh, that looks like asbestos. That's what I think is asbestos. There's the wrapping around the pipe or there's some tiles or maybe even siding or the, the you know, the snowman sure. boiler. Yep. But how do you actually test for it? What, you know, how long does it take? What does it cost? So there's some types of asbestos uh, or building materials that are pretty easily identifiable, probably don't require testing. And, you know, even a contractor can point those out, all right? A lot of times we go on the age. So asbestos was used um, up until, you know, there's not an exact cutoff date, but we used 1980. OSHA uses a 1980 cutoff date. Okay. So if something was built or constructed prior to that, it has a higher likelihood of containing asbestos than something after that. The building materials are kind of categorized in three different categories. So thermal system insulations which are pretty readily identifiable. So you talk about the boiler jackets, the pipe insulation, uh, the elbows on the pipes, right? So the pipe insulation a lot of times is a corrugated cardboard or preformed that has metal bands on it. It's called air cell, pretty readily identifiable. And then the mudded fittings on the elbows, same thing, fairly old and and so forth. But the thermal insulations also can go into uh, things like um, duct wrapping, so paper wrappings and, and, and things of that sort. So that's the kind of the first category. Mm-hmm. Second category would be uh, surfacing materials. And, you know, it was used in joint compound and plasters. Uh, so it could be found there. Um, but uh, the other surfacing materials that is more common are spray applied fireproofing which you wouldn't find in a residential setting so much, but more of a commercial setting for structural steel and things like that. The last one is just miscellaneous category, which includes everything else, Yeah. right? So it just all popped into there where you have resilient flooring, you know, from floor tile to vinyl um, sheet flooring, linoleums, things like that, to caulkings, adhesives, glazing compounds for windows, uh, roofing materials, siding, uh, transite siding. Transite was another trade name for a cementitious material. Very common in, in the greater Springfield area, you know, based on the age of construction and um, and things like that. So um, those are kind of the, the categories. But to, to kind of get back to your question about testing and how do we know, um, really the only way to be 100% sure is for a sample to be taken and submitted to a laboratory. And the laboratory will take that sample and they'll analyze it uh, with a microscope. It's called polarized light microscopy. So they use a dispersion oil and they look through a microscope and they look for the actual asbestos fibers. And they measure them, making sure that it qualifies and so forth. And it's a percentage-based analysis. Um, you know, the, the analysis itself is fairly inexpensive. Um, you know, um, you can get it for, you know, maybe under $25 for the actual analysis, for a single analysis. And when the results come in, then it's compared to what the, the, the cutoff is. So um, when you talk about what the term asbestos-containing material means, it actually means any material containing greater than 1% asbestos. So it really doesn't take that much. Now, if you talk about thermal system insulations, like the boilers and the pipe insulations and so forth, we'll typically see anywhere from 
you know, 15 to 85% asbestos, being very, very high content. Uh, but when you talk about mastics and adhesives and things like that, it could be one or two percent. Could okay. be very, very low. So we test it, and so let's say it's got fifteen percent. It's on the low end. Am yeah. I still concerned for my health? Yeah. So there's no, uh, you know, OSHA doesn't tell you that a higher percent asbestos is treated any differently than a lower percent. It's just asbestos-containing material, okay. right? So the percentage doesn't matter. However, disturbing it. And the potential for inhalation and adverse health effects, you know, obviously would increase if you had higher percentages of asbestos. Um, you know, I should also add that um, really only a licensed inspector should be taking the sample because they are trained on how to sample, where to send it, and how to interpret the results. Uh, because at the same time, they're going to do what's called a condition assessment. So they're going to say, is this material potentially harmful or not? And the, the term we use is friability. Okay, so friability is defined as pulverized to powder by hand pressure. And that would be, um, it, obviously, if something was easily disturbed, then it's friable, more of, a, more of an issue. Non-friable wouldn't be that floor tiles, mastics, adhesives, stuff like that, roofing materials. The general consensus typically in, in, in the Realtor community is if it's intact, we don't have as much of a concern. Is that, you know, the same way that you guys would approach it? Look, some of that stuff, it's intact, you know, whether it be a floor tile or siding or even the uh, wrapping around yeah. pipes. So there's 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 nothing saying that you have to remove asbestos, right? You can manage it in a place, all right? We've been doing it in schools for years, and it's really about the disturbance potential. So if you have a, a large-scale renovation planned, right, your boiler fails, you're re-insulating your pipes, things like that. Well, then obviously it's potentially going to be disturbed. Yep. It should be identified and handled properly by a licensed abatement contractor, right? Because you don't want to create something worse. Sure. But if it's in good shape, it's intact, um, then there's really no reason to disturb it or to even look for it. Okay. Um, and then obviously, you know, removal is, is simply that, right? You're, you're going to prep the area. You guys are going to have, you know, licensed people come in, remove yep. it and properly dispose. Yeah. And so the, the sequence is that there has to be a notification that goes into the state. Okay. All right. That has to let them know. It's a, typically a 10 day notification that this is going to occur. It's a very highly regulated activity. Um, so all the proper notifications go in and then the area is prepped, sealed off. Um, Typically, there's um, there could be a negative air enclosure, um, unless you're using something that's called a glove bag. But you're still, you know, um, restricting the area, signposting all that kind of stuff. And once it's it's safe to begin removal, then the workers suit up with suits, respirators. They protect themselves and so forth. And then everything is removed under wet methods. So it's not just go in and just have Rip have it at out. it. Yep. It's still very controlled gets bagged, double bagged, the bags are, are misted down and so forth, and then loaded out, and then it goes to an approved landfill. So we're, we're coming up against the break here. Any last comments regarding asbestos? Anything else that the, but the public should know that, uh, besides what we've talked about? Yeah, so, you know, Abide gets a lot of calls when people are just trying to understand what's there and so forth. And, you know, we pride ourselves on that customer service and being able to kind of educate the customer at the same time. 
Um, and we work with a lot of realtors, which will call for the same things that there was a home inspection that was performed. They identify the potential for it. Um, we can kind of talk through what the options are and, you know, sometimes to repair or to encapsulate something in place is, is, might be a better option or more cost-effective option. Uh, but a lot of times it is removal and replace awesome. is what we look at. Well, look, a uh, ton of great information, uh, on the backside, we're going to talk about attic insulation, lead paint and mold. But if anybody has any, you know, uh, additional questions on what we've already talked about, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Definitely call the office. Um, you know, the office phone number is 413-525-0644. That's 413-525-0644. Abide prides themselves in answering the phone for every call. Almost rarely it goes to voicemail, and they'll make sure that you get the help you need. Awesome. Really appreciate it. As always, guys, if you have any other real estate-related questions, we'd love to take those calls. 413-998-7466. 413-998-7466. We'll be right back with Mark Haynes and Abide. Hi from North Point Mortgage, your local mortgage lender. We cater to first-time home buyers offering a full range of loan programs, including USDA, VA, FHA, and mass housing. With state-of-the-art technology, we streamline the mortgage process for you. North Point has offices throughout New England, including West Springfield, Rocky Hill, and Sturbridge. Please contact Melissa Ostrander at 413-977-8155 or at mortgageswithmelissa.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Melissa Ostrander, MLS number 1396546, North Point, MLS 1515. Are you thinking about selling a piece of real estate in the next three to six months, but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we would love to talk to you about how we can position your property to get top dollar. Our team of experts can help you make the appropriate repairs, stage the property, and make the property stand out online with professional photography and videography. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466, and talk to one of our listing specialists. Attention Massachusetts and Connecticut homeowners, 2019 is shaping up to be a fantastic real estate market. I'm Steve Ravithis, I run Ravithis Realty, and we focus on Western Massachusetts and Northern Connecticut. Let us help you sell and get top dollar while the market's still hot. Call us at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466. Who you choose to work with matters, and we wanna be your real estate resource. Are you thinking about purchasing real estate in the next three to six months, but aren't sure where to get started? I'm Steve Ravithis. I run Ravithis Realty, and we love educating people about the home buying process. We want to be your real estate resource, from helping you find the properties to aligning you with the best local lenders, inspectors, and attorneys to facilitate your transaction. Please give us a call at 413-998-7466. That's 413-998-7466, and talk to one of our buyer specialists. Welcome back to Your Real Estate Resource. I'm your host, Steve Ravithis. And uh, again, we've got Mark Haynes from Abide. Uh, we just finished up uh, talking asbestos. Uh, let's talk about vermiculite. Uh, attic insulation is where we typically see it in, in the residential homes. What's your... Uh... Yeah, so vermiculite is another mineral that is mined out of the ground and puffed to create some sort of R value. It was actually very, very low. I think it was actually like 2.5. <clears throat> and when it was uh, this crumb insulation that looked like has kind of a gold brown texture, pretty readily identifiable, 
The issue with it is that 90% of the insulation supplied, especially in the Northeast, came from a mine in Libby, Montana, that was contaminated with tremolite, one of the asbestos-containing materials. EPA has come out and said, you know what, because it was so random and it wasn't homogeneous, that we need to handle all vermiculite as if it was asbestos. So we get the question all the time, can I test it and am I fine? Well, unfortunately, if you take 10 tests, and they're all negative. doesn't mean that the 11th or 12th won't come back with it. EPA made this designation based on doing aggressive air sampling in attics and finding even when the bulk samples didn't have asbestos, they still found asbestos in the air, which means it's there somewhere. It's just hard to find exactly where it could be. Sure. So that's why it was handled as such. Um, you know, we find a lot of calls on, on vermiculite with real estate transfers um, as well as because a home inspector has, has picked it up. Or for energy audits, where they're trained that they can't do blower air door tests and other things if it's in there. They don't want to draw asbestos fibers into the, into the area. Um, just like anything else, it can be managed in place. Yep. But when it has to be removed, I mean, you're talking about a large area. And a lot of times you have batting, you know, fiberglass batting and blown insulation on top of it um, that, that now is cross-contaminated that has to be removed as well. So it can be costly. Now, W.R. Grace was the owner of the Libby Montana Mind, and the product name was Zonalite. And as part of a class action lawsuit, they set up a, what's called a Zonalite Attic Insulation Trust. So a sample is sent to them. They make sure that it meets the product specs, and then they actually reimburse the removal uh, up to 55% of a $7,500 uh, abatement, okay. which is you know four thousand one hundred twenty-five dollars. So it's a nice incentive. Mm-hmm. We actually go in and we'll actually grab the sample for you, show you where you go online to set up a claim, and kind of help manage the process, take before and after photos, all that kind of stuff. Because without it, you won't get the reimbursement. So, so we find it in a house. Uh, I'm hearing two two options. One is seal it off, don't ever touch it, don't ever uh, you know. Just come like in. any other asbestos. Yep. Sure. Okay. And then second option is we're going to have it all removed, but that you can actually make a claim, um, assuming that you're not more than a seventy five hundred dollar uh, job. Yeah. Get- well, that's it. Could be more than seventy five hundred, but you just wouldn't get you know, the maximum the, the- reimbursement was fifty five percent. Of up to seventy five hundred dollars. Okay, all right, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. I mean, on your standard residential, you know, let's say a two thousand square foot home, you got that stuff in the attic. Do you have any idea what we might be talking to remove it? Ballpark, you know, six to eight dollars a square foot. Okay, um, kind of so, depends on access. Sure, you know what's on top of it, how much waste is is accumulated. Okay, um, but um, and like all asbestos abatement. You know, or vermiculite. There's third party inspection comes in. Yep. They do air sampling, visual. So you know, there's a third party consultant verifying that the work's been done. And there's there's plenty of money left in this fund. They're not going to run out of money. And no, and, I don't believe so. Yeah. WR so, Grace is the largest chemical company in the in the world. Okay, so, so awesome, awesome. Yeah. I, I wasn't aware of that. So you know, not as scary if people are going to have it removed. They can get some sort of a reimbursement. Exactly. There. Yeah, great. Um, next is lead paint. Lead let's, paint. Let's talk lead paint. So, again, like a lot of things that are more harmful to us now, it was highly desirable to have high lead content in your paint. Durability, color, um, um, you know, the, um, um, you know, typically they'd say a lead paint house, you know, didn't have to be painted, you know, maybe every 10 or 15 years. Well, now, you know, out exterior paint on houses doesn't last sometimes more than five. Sure. Right? So, um, high quality uh, 
paints, you know, the higher levels of lead. Over time, lead was used in a lot of different things, included leaded gasoline and, and things like that. And where it became an issue with housing was that um, even though percentages reduced over the years, um, you know, that target housing is kind of like 1978, pre-1978 housing has a hyper probability to have lead in its paint, varnishes, coatings, things like that. Just like when we talked about asbestos, everything has a cutoff, right? And for lead paint, it's only a half a percent by dry weight. So it's a very low percentage um, that would have to be there to be considered lead-based paint. Same thing. It's handled the same way. It could be, you know, half a percent. It could be 50% lead. It's still managed the same way. Um, and it doesn't matter what coating it is in. So to say, oh, it's only, you know, we're fine because I have two coatings of latex paint over the top of it. Well, if you're going to do renovations, you're going to do sanding, things like that, chances are you're going to disturb, you know, other coatings that could have lead. So when it's managed or when it's tested, it's really all the coatings that, that are yeah, part of that assessment. use that gun and it goes right down to the bare wood. Yeah, so yeah. to determine, there's two ways to determine if you have lead paint, right? Um, one is you can collect a paint chip sample and a lab will analyze it and have results. The second, which is the more desirable method, is a licensed lead inspector will come in and use an x-ray fluorescent analyzer and it gives you immediate results. And they'll be able to tell you right away surface by surface assessment, what contains lead-based paint and what does not. Uh, then, same thing um, with asbestos, they do a condition assessment to say, is it loose, is it peeling, is it chipping, or is it intact? So there's certain surfaces that if are intact are, are fine, they could be managed intact. Other surfaces that are loose or impact or friction surfaces are ones that may potentially continue to produce dust, and those are the ones that would have to be deleted. Gotcha. Um, any kind of other concerns with lead or what else should people know? I mean, yeah, so you have it, you have it tested. It comes back that you've got some lead based paint. Um, there's a couple of different options, right? You can do a covering. Um, you could sand it down and have it fully removed yeah. or you can replace the item. Yeah, you can remove and replace. <clears throat> so with lead paint, a lot of times we see people might be looking for either compliance because children under six reside or are rented to. You know, 75% of a child's development occurs in those first six years. So even acute exposures can result to adverse health effects. Um, but it lead affects adults as well. So someone unprotected doesn't, you know, and doesn't do it the right way could get dosed with, with lead because it will hit the bloodstream very quickly. Um, but we always look at it, well, what's your intention? What are you looking to do? Say, so, well, we want to remove all the windows and replace them. Well, then, you know, these are the concerns. You know, we can do this a certain way and uh, because, you know, the windows are old and they need to be replaced. Other intentions are we need it for compliance purposes. We have renters and we want to make sure we have certificates of compliance. So we kind of work with everyone to say, well, what's the intention? What are you looking to do? And these are the options that you may have. Uh, but Massachusetts adopted an EPA standard back in 2010 called the uh, Renovation Remodelers and Painters RRP rule, which means that all contractors, if they're disturbing any target housing pre-1978, that's more than, I think it's like two square feet, 10 square feet, internal, external, that they have to have this training so that they can protect themselves as well as make sure that they're leaving behind a clean surface. Um, 
a lot of the issues with poisoned children and incidents become because of the dust that's generated. It's not that some child gnawed on the windowsill. It's more that there was some renovation or something happened in which created fine, fine dust that the child put its hand on and then hand to mouth kind of thing. So those are those are more of the concerns that we that people should be aware of. And, and just like the uh, vermiculite, there is a credit out there for people when they're doing these uh, lead paint renovations for Massachusetts, correct? There are. There are some different incentives. There's some tax incentives um, and other things like that. And there's some different programs um, if they're going through a HUD or different um, housing authorities and, and so forth like that. Let's. Uh, we got a few minutes left here. Let's talk mold really quick. Okay. Uh, you know, what are the key things that you're seeing? I mean, I know there's like a lot of different types of mold, and there's naturally existing mold, and there so. Is. So it does. It's naturally occurring. Yeah. Right. In living spaces, it can become worse because of moisture or inadequate uh, ventilation, things like that, where it manifests, and it could be inside walls, above ceilings, in the rugs, and so forth. You know, people's susceptibility to mold varies. Um, some people have what's more commonly referred to like allergic reactions mm-hmm. um, than anything else. Um, and other people do get adverse health effects from that. It's a small percentage, but, it, but it, you know, people are affected differently by it. The bigger concern I see is that if you have mold, well, then, you know, you're compromising building materials. You have an unsuitable environment in your house that could lead to other things. So humidity, relative humidity above 65%, where you could be probably more like basements, all right, or areas where inadequate ventilation, um, showers, bathrooms, uh, attics, where it could get trapped and manifest. So they're not properly ventilated. Yep. You know, even attics need um, proper, you know, ridge vents, soffit vents, gable end vents, things like that for the attic to breathe. If it's too tight and at certain times a year, you'll get a lot of mold up there. Yep. Um, so, um, to remove it, you know, to treat the area for an inhibitor for it to not to come back is all great. But unless the ventilation and the, the issues of why it got there Started. in the first place yeah. are rectified, it potentially or It'll likely is to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, quickly end with like the different types that are out there, right? So, I mean, is there like you hear about the black mold? Yeah. And, I mean, what just quick take on the different. Yeah. You know, I, the, the green mold is, is uh, you know, I would say maybe not as of a concern than, than the black mold. Um, but, you know, you can analyze the mold for, for different types of growth and so forth. People have heard about, you know, stachybotrys and all these other things, you know, that are very much of a concern in a hospital setting, you know, and, yep. and, and so forth. But again, indoor air quality, you know, it's really based on what they, you know, people's comfort level. Um, and how they're going to react. And how they yeah. react to it. Listen, ton of information that we, we tried to get through. If people have additional questions for you guys over at Abide, what's going to be the best way for them to get in touch? Definitely a phone call. Yeah. Um, the webpage has a, a, a lot of information on it. Yep. You know, www.abideinc.com has information pages. It has printouts for, for things like that and flyers. Uh, but there's a lot of information on there. Uh, and there's a way that people can ask questions through there as well. But uh, calling the office, someone there's always someone live that answers the phone. One more time, that number. Sure. 413-525-0644. 
Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. As always, uh, we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, tune in every week, uh, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. I'm Steve Ravithis, and I want to be your real estate resource. 